It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is a special podcast presentation. From 700WLW.com. This is Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew on demand. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday morning sports talk on News Radio 700 WLW. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to another one of these forays into the world of sports for the next three hours. I'm Ken Brew. As always, proud to be with you on these Sunday mornings. We got a long, got a lot to get to, and not a lot of time to get to it. It is a, uh, it is the uh, the eve of what is a very big day for Major League Baseball in general and for the Reds in particular, because tomorrow begins the Major League Baseball draft. And around here, at least for the last five years, we worry about the future. We don't want to worry about the future. We want to live in the in the moment. Everywhere you go, every one of these self-help books, anything that anyone tells you in life, for those who answer and listen to advices, live in the moment. Unfortunately, the moment hasn't been very good here. Yesterday, probably today, most likely tomorrow. The Reds are struggling. We saw it again last night. The guy that they scooped off the scrap heap, Matt Harvey, delivered what basically most Reds pitchers deliver this season. About five innings, some certainly less than that, but about five innings has been the norm for Reds starting pitchers this year, and five innings of not-so-great baseball. The the Mets gave up on Matt Harvey for a number of reasons, but the biggest reason they just said enough is that he just didn't look like the same pitcher after undergoing Tommy John surgery. Five innings, six hits, five runs, four earned. Game began basically with an error. That's how the unearned run scored. So they need Matt Harvey here to get better. If for no other reason, then you can trade him at the deadline. And it's my belief, and it has been since they made that trade, that Matt Harvey is nothing more than trade bait at the trade deadline where the Reds can flip him for someone or someone's that can come here and in a year or so, when the Reds are finally better, can then help them be part of something that they once were. They're not going to hang on to Matt Harvey. He is making an excess over $5 million. His first chance at free agency comes after this season. If he pitches well, certainly better than last night, but if he pitches well, he will become more valuable for the Reds in trade than hanging on to him. Matt Harvey, if he pitches well, between now and the deadline will be attractive. If the Reds elect to hold on to him between now and the end of the season, regardless of how well he pitches, Harvey will test free agency. You can look it up. Most players who test free agency rarely re-sign with the teams they leave. Rarely. Even after going through all the hoops as to when they can do that and baseball's calendar, 
Rarely do they re-sign with the teams they leave. So this guy has got to be gonzo by the end of July. That's why they need him to get back on his feet. But he last night was pretty typical of what we're getting from Red starting pitching. A little bit of a, a flash here, a little bit of a flash there, but basically it is mediocre to not very good. Tomorrow, the Reds and the other 29 Major League Baseball teams participate in the Major League Baseball draft. Now, honestly, the Reds' track record in drafting over the course of the last 10 years has not been all that great. I mean, they would they like to paint a rosy picture. There's some people nationally that want to paint a rosy picture. Their organization normally gets high grades. In fact, I think Buster only, uh, not Buster only, uh, Keith Law had them as a as a top eight organization again this year. But literally, you make and break yourself with your first round picks in any sport. Last year it was Hunter Green. The year before was Nick Senzel. Senzel is at the doorstep of Major League Baseball right now. Green is going through the usual struggles that a high school pitcher goes through as he enters professional baseball. Tomorrow, the Reds can draft someone, hopefully, that can help them sooner than later, particularly if they draft a college player. If they draft a college player, one would think, like Senzel now, within a couple of years, he will be ready to play in Major League Baseball. We saw it seven, eight years ago when the Reds drafted Mike Leak. Mike Leak pitched in the College World Series. He was pitching for the Reds the following spring. So please keep an eye on tomorrow. Whomever the Reds draft has to play here sooner than later. They will pay him an inordinate amount of money just to get him. Every single first-round pick is slotted with a particular amount of money that player has to be paid, regardless of who the player is. For example, the Tigers own the first pick overall. Whomever they draft will be paid in excess of $8 million. The Reds pick fifth overall. Whomever they pick will be paid close to $6 million. And on and on it goes. And it's round after round after round. The Reds pick again at 47th overall. One would think that's a player that could be here sooner than later. The Reds pick 72nd overall. Maybe not as quickly as 47 or 5, but another player they really and truly have to hit on. Tomorrow is a big day for a team that is constantly putting its eyes on the future. Because the present, the past, and living in the moment are not all that good. Another example of it last night. Now, the other major headline in sports today, and we'll get to the draft, by the way. I'm going to be joined by Andrew Lawrence of SportingNews.com. He has his mock draft out. We're going to talk about the uh, the various options the Reds may have at five overall. There's a middle infielder. I don't know why they need to get a, another one of those, but there's a middle infielder at Oregon State that they're apparently interested in. There's a high school pitcher in Florida that they're apparently interested in. And then there there could be some sort of... Uh, turmoil between one and four where a player that they may not think they're going to get may fall into their lap. So we're going to get into that with Andrew Lawrence coming up later on in this nine o'clock hour. Now, the other headline of the day, the truth shall shall set you free. J.R. Smith yesterday finally admitted that he did not know what the score was at the end of game one between the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors. Said he didn't know. This was his quote. After thinking about it a lot after the last 24 hours, 
And however long it's been since the game was over, I can't say I was sure of anything at that point. Well, everybody who knew that, Jr. except you. So thank you for finally admitting it. Everybody knew that. LeBron James knew that immediately. In fact, after game one, J.R. Smith said that after he got the rebound and they put up a shot that did not fall, he said the game was over. No, it wasn't over. They went to overtime. So this dude's got to get his head in the game and quickly. LeBron James dropped 51 on Golden State Thursday night. It was singularly the best performance by any player in NBA history on the losing side of the equation in an NBA Finals. The best. And it still wasn't enough. J.R. Smith is the kind of guy that just bounces from team to team. He's a role player. He's a vagabond. He's been with Cleveland for the last several years. But basically, he and Kyle Korver and Larry Nance Jr., and, and Jeff Smith, they're all guys that, they, you know, they're here with one team. They could be with another team in two years, another team with two years after that. They're role players. You bring them in to complement what you have. And what the Cavaliers have right now basically is a, is a superstar unlike anyone of this generation has seen and another guy that's not all that bad. They got LeBron James and they got Kevin Love. And after that, it's a collection of guys named Fred. J.R. Smith needs to be out there with his mind in the game, taking advantage of defensive overloads on LeBron, hitting baskets, and in critical moments, be at his best. And he simply wasn't in game one. Is it the reason why the Cavaliers lost that game? No. If George Hill had hit that free throw, the one that J.R. Smith grabbed and dribbled out to half court, if Hill hits that free throw, that game could be over. That game could be over. So you got kind of one or two things you got to do. The good news is you've got potentially six more games to get it done. But you can't be in denial for 48 hours over something that you did that you wouldn't admit to. Now that you have, as The Rock would say, know your role and shut your mouth and just go out and do it. I don't see any pathway, really, for the Cavaliers to win this this series. I really don't. The Warriors have too many options, too many different ways to beat you. They have home court advantage. They've already stolen a win in Game One. I just don't see. I just don't see how Cleveland pieces pieces together what it needs to beat this team. I don't think LeBron can throw up fifty one every night. I think a guy that throws up 40, 43, 45 points a game consistently is a classic talent, is someone that you see once in a generation. And that's what LeBron James is right now. He's not going to give you 51 every night. But be that as it may, if you want to have any shot of winning this series, J.R. Smith needs some redemption tonight. They at least need to set the table for what may happen in Cleveland. They were down 0-2 to Boston and came back and won. But this ain't Boston. This is Golden State. This is a team that's beaten you. This is a team. (laughs) I saw this last night. I couldn't believe it. LeBron James has lost 12. Think about this. 12 NBA Finals games. 12 NBA Finals games just to Golden State. Just to Golden State. 
So as we weed through what's going on today in sports, as we look at where the Reds are, as we approach the one-third point of the season, as we look at critically what they need to do and how they need to be business prudent and how they need to conduct their business differently than what they did at the trade deadlines for most of the last four years. And as we look at the draft tomorrow night, we see what the business at hand is for them. For the Cleveland Cavaliers, the business at hand today, tonight, it's pretty simple. Know your role, shut your mouth, get LeBron the ball. Then you might have a chance to go back to Cleveland, series tied 1-1. On the show today, along with Andrew Lawrence, who's going to talk about the Major League Baseball draft. Alex Meacham stops by. We're going to talk a little NBA basketball and what the Cavaliers need to do in Game 2 differently to have a chance to beat the Warriors tonight. Jerry Krasnick, great baseball writer for ESPN.com, cut his teeth covering the Reds here about 20 years ago. Wrote for, I believe, the Inquirer. Jerry's going to take time out of his Sunday to join us here to talk about what he thinks Cincinnati needs to do going forward to position itself to at least be more competitive next season than what it's been the last five. I know, I know we say this all the time, but yet another outside voice who can view what's going on here dispassionately. We got a franchise in MLS this week. Be still my beaten heart. Now, how does FC Cincinnati go about the business of building a roster? Does it bring in international stars, guys that have played at the highest level in, in league? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's like the EPL, or the Bundesliga, or La Liga, or someplace else. Or do they build from the bottom up with young talent? And if they do, how many years are they going to take their lumps before they can be competitive? Jeremy Lance, Wrong Side of the Pond podcast, is going to join me to talk about that. And then at 10.05 today, one of the great folk rock songwriters in the history of music. A guy who was the ultimate wordsmith. Someone who values lyrics and songs as much as he does the melody. And if you listen to his lyrics, you know that Al Stewart is one of the best in the business. We're going to talk about his career, music. He's coming through town, I believe, in less than a week. And uh, to me, it's going to be an ultimate thrill. He's on the road. He's been. Uh, he's just started his tour, and uh, we're going to catch him early on today, which is, uh, I just think, fantastic. So that's our landscape between, nine, uh, between now and noon. The Reds, the Cavaliers... A little baseball, a little music, a little soccer, and a lot of you. This show is Sunday Morning Sports Talk. It exists only on this 50,000-watt mother flamethrower. We affectionately around here call the big one. But you know it as 700 WLW Cincinnati. Yes, yes, yes. 700 WLW. The number one song in the USA 51 years ago today. You know what I want. Well, bring it on home. You know what I need. Well, let me have it. 
Miss Aretha. Otis Redding cut this song. Went nowhere. Jerry Wexler, who was the brains behind Atlantic Records, which had Franklin under contract, thought Aretha could give the song greater appeal. So she got it next. Boy, was he right. Franklin's playing the piano on this song, by the way, recorded in New York City with some musicians imported from Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Wexler sent a lot of his talent down to Muscle Shoals, and Aretha Franklin eventually went down there to record, but not for this one. So you got uh, Tommy Cogbill on lead guitar, great session player. King Curtis, phenomenal sax player. Feel like I'm Elvis doing introductions. Franklin's sister Carolyn, who can hear doing the soccer to me stuff on this song. They reworked Redding's version to make the whole thing from a women's point of view. And of course, Aretha Franklin, first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That was back in 1987. 51 years ago today, this was number one. Well, once we get by these clouds, we're going to get some of that. Because it's going to get sunny and breezy later on this afternoon. High near 82, clear with a low around 58 today. And then sunny with a high near 78 tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be gorgeous. Checking with Sherry Hughes, our weekend weather expert at 9 on your side last night. She said tomorrow's the pick day of the week. 72 right now at the Tri-State Severe Weather Station. 700 WLW. Talk about the Reds and where they're at and this incessant rebuilding. Mark is in Pleasant Run and wants to weigh in on the Reds' rebuild. Good morning, Mark. Okay, uh, I got the solution to how you rebuild oh, this. Oh, man, bring it, baby, because we need it. Okay, you either individually or you package them up. Joey Votto, Scooter Jeanette, you got to trade both of them, too. And... You got to bring up those minor league players, put Adam Duvall at first or that Brandon Dixon guy at first. Yeah. You, you just got to strip it all the way down like you did when when they had Ken Griffey Jr. You know what, you know what Mark, I, I, I think, I don't know, and I don't know what, the, what goes on inside the man's head, but I think Joey Votto is probably going to get to a point here in the next couple of years that if this is yeah. as bad as it is, he's going to say to himself, I, I at least want to be on a contender one more time. Yeah, I mean, you... You can't uh you can't rebuild that team as long as he's on that team. You gotta you gotta trade him too and then let Bailey's contract expire. You gotta start all over again and get a person out of Chicago's organization and a, and a person out of Houston's organization and that's how you do it. Well yeah, and, and I, I don't it could be Chicago, it could be Houston. That's why I said before they elevated one of the uh, assistance to the uh, general manager's chair, Nick Crawl. I, I said, before all that, Mark, I said, get a fresh pair of eyes on this thing. Yeah, they, they don't. And then, okay, let me make one more point. Go for it. I, I see with Amir Garrett, I see the, I see the same mistake they made with Araldis Chapman. They Amen. Were in the bridge. Amen I, on that. I, I don't know why that man isn't starting. Yeah, I mean, instead of picking up Matt Harvey, why can't you just slide Amir Garrett into that rotation and give him a chance? I mean, I, I look at these pitchers like the Robert Stevenson guy, the Cody Reed guy, Amir Garrett. Just bring them all up yeah, and let them I take agree. your lumps and, and see what you got. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. 
Um, that, that's good stuff, Mark. Yeah, the, the best way to solve a problem is to go outside the box and just say, without great fanfare, to someone who might be your peer, could be a rival, could be someone that once worked in the biz, and say, you just look at this, what's going on here. It, you just Tell me something I'm missing here, because they, they're missing. Next, the draft tomorrow. Whom could the Reds be looking for? For salvation down the road on 700 WLW. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday morning sports talk on News Radio 700 WLW. 9.38, you got to be somewhere by 10. You got 22 minutes. Welcome. Major League Baseball draft is tomorrow. The Reds pick fifth overall. They have five of the top 107, 10, five of the. They have a lot of picks in the upper echelon of the draft. Monumental Dave tomorrow for the re- rebuilding efforts of the Cincinnati Reds. I, you know, we've been. I mean, we were watching the bricks stack, and it's like somebody said yesterday, like Jenga. Like they build something, and then all of a sudden it collapses. But tomorrow is important. You simply, you got to hit on on your number five overall. you got to do that. So you got Hunter Green last year and Nick Senzel the year before. We'll see. A lot of names out there as to whom the Reds may wind up selecting. And for more on that, let's bring in from SportingNews.com, Andrew Lawrence, who is following the Major League Baseball draft. Uh, thank, it's, it's early Sunday. Thanks for joining us, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, it, to, in my opinion, it's very difficult to whiff on a top 10 pick in any sport. And baseball may be a little bit different because there are different mechanics involved. Injury tends to play more into a baseball draft than it does to a, a football or, or a basketball draft. Most of the players that are drafted or a large number are younger players that don't really truly have their bodies fully developed or high school kids. But it is kind of tough not to make a top 10 pick work in this day and age, is it not? Yeah, I would agree with that statement. I think just the amount of scouting that, that goes into the draft with Major League Baseball, you know, these scouts have been on these kids for three or four years that, you know, sometimes, especially the high school seniors, they've been looked at since they were probably freshmen in high school. So, um, you know, the scouting's there, uh, you know, the statistics are there, the analytics are there. So I think as we've, you know, the game has advanced, I think you're absolutely right in that it's becoming more and more rare for a team to, you know, flat out miss on a prospect just because there's so much information out there about everyone that's considered, you know, a, a first round mm-hmm. uh, talent. So, you know, I'd say that statement is, is fairly accurate. Yeah. Your, your draft, mock draft, and a lot of other mock drafts kind of mirror each other. Uh, some think that uh, Casey Mize is going to go first, the right-handed pitcher out of Auburn. Others think this catcher, Joey Bart, uh, I think he's at Georgia Tech or where he plays college ball, is going to be one of the top four or five picks. Is there a surprise waiting for us in those top three picks, in your opinion? Well, the one surprise I, I, I might say is a guy like Matthew Libertor, who might jump up uh, a little bit, um, left-handed pitcher from uh, Mountain Ridge High School in, in Arizona. Uh, you know, he's obviously left-handed pitchers are, are always intriguing, uh, and a guy like him who can kind of run his fastball in the mid-90s has a pretty developed off-speed pitch. You know, I could see him sneaking up 
Um, but one thing I'll say about this draft that's a little bit unusual that, that might not have happened years prior is that there's the potential that the first five or six picks are all from the college ranks, mm-hmm. which is a little bit unusual. Um, you know, obviously that could change. I, I have the Reds taking a high school pitcher uh, with the number five pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, a lot of other outlets are, are saying it's going to be a very college-heavy top of the first round, which, you know, it, I think it could definitely happen. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's more of a testament to the, I guess, the talent level in college this year. Uh, you know, you look at a guy like Brady Singer uh, out of Florida who is projected to be a you know, top three pick. He was actually drafted out of high school in the second round and declined to sign. So, you know, the pedigree is there for him. Um, you know, a guy like Mize, you look at his body of work from, from Auburn, you know, he's in the SEC, you know, thought of as, as probably the best. Uh, you know, college conference out there, and he's just been dominant throughout. Uh, you know, with Team USA, he pitched well, and the Cape Cod League, he pitched well. So, uh, you know, it kind of harkens back to what I was saying about the fact that there's just so much information now out there about these guys that, um, you know, it, it's hard to miss someone who is, who is, you know, at, at the caliber of being at the top of the first round. I, I know you don't have him as, as the, the Reds pick at five overall, but some do, and I just want your thoughts. If, if Nick Madrigal drops to five, and now I've seen some drafts where uh, he will not be available at five, but at five, uh, and, and again, for those of you who aren't familiar with him, he's a, he's a shortstop, played at Oregon State. Uh, some people say he's the best position player prospect in this entire draft. A little undersized, and the Reds have a lot of middle infielders in their system. But I'm just wondering if he's there at five, how tempted do you think the Reds would be? You know, I, I would think that they would take a pretty pretty hard look at him um, for the reasons you just described. You know, he, he's only five eight; he's about 160, 165 pounds, but he, you know, he just hits. He hits and hits and hits. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a guy like that, you you can't pass over easily. So if he's there at five, I think they take a good long look at him. Um, you know, kind of like Mize, his body of work at Oregon State is just outstanding. Um, but, you know, my gut says he won't be there at five, but if he is, I, I, I think that uh, I think that they would really consider that. Yeah, they, they, yeah, I think so too. But the, the problem, obviously, is they have Senzel in their system. They have Shed Long in their system. Uh, Scooter Jeanette is there. Now, whether or not he's there after the trade deadline, I don't know. But a guy that's 5'7", 5'8", 65, even if he grows into whatever his final body is going to be, I mean, that's that's basically the dimension of a middle infielder. I mean, he's not going to be able to do anything besides play middle infield. It's not like Hamilton where they could take him and move him to the outfield or take Senzel and put him at third base or whatever. I mean, you're kind of... You're kind of stuck with, as good as he is, I mean, you've got to be really committed to that guy, right? Absolutely. And, I mean, I think you're hitting the nail on the head with a guy like Madrigal where, you know, his, his bat is, is what gets him noticed. Um, but you're right, he's he's a middle infielder and more than likely in the big league the second baseman. Um, and there's really no wiggle room there with him. Uh, you know, at 21 years old, you're more than likely not going to hit a growth spurt. Um you know, but but then again, you look at a guy like Dustin Pedroia, who mm-hmm. he's been compared to, and obviously, you know, you've seen what he's done in his career, the, the power numbers. Um, you know, the, the one, I guess, if there is one knock on Madrigal, is that he... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Contact hitter, line drive hitter, um, you know, he does have some pop, um, but again, you know, that might not translate well, uh, in the professional ranks. Um, but, you know, he is, he, just like you said, he's locked into a, a middle infield position, likely second base. So there's no real wiggle room there. If you take him, you are committing to him being, uh, a middle infielder. We're chatting with Andrew Lawrence, sportingnews.com. Oh, by, by the way, let's get this out there. You have the Reds taking it five overall whom? Carter Stewart, a uh, right-handed pitcher from O'Galley High School uh, out of Melbourne, Florida. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah. yeah. Great, great story. I was going to say there's a great story posted right now on SportingNews.com about him and how his stock has risen. Um, I just, I just want to just maybe put that in historical context. The Reds took Hunter Green last year, and everybody was so in awe of his ability to play uh, an outfield position, also could pitch. Had this great 100-mile-an-hour fastball. He's struggling in, in low-A ball right now. But if they do commit to Carter Stewart and they take him, um, Carter Stewart, I mean, at best, is probably two to three years away from pitching in Major League Baseball. Uh, this is a team that has floundered for the last five seasons. So if they took Stewart on the heels of taking Hunter Green, they're really saying, aren't they, around here, look, we, we get it. Uh, we're we're not going to be very good here for the next two or three seasons. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I'd say if they do end up taking Stewart there at number five, they're definitely sending the message that you know, with a guy like Green in the system and then a guy like Stewart in the system, they'd definitely be saying you know we're at least a few years away from really competing. Uh, but the thing with Stewart is he has perhaps the highest ceiling of the first round. Uh, you know, if you watch video of him pitching, he does have a little bit of a funky motion. But he has an absolute hammer of a curveball, uh, something that you really can't teach, something you really don't see from someone that age. Uh, plus, he's got a great frame. He's six foot six, only about two hundred pounds right now. So scouts really think that they could pack on some muscle. Um, his fastball is in the low to mid nineties, so you, you think you know adding a little bit of muscle, adding a little bit of weight, that's going to take off. Um, but yeah, like you said, uh, taking him would, would pretty much indicate to fans around Cincinnati that. Uh, you know, the organization is thinking at least three or four years down the road uh, to get these guys ready because, you know, as a high schooler, obviously you want to bring them along slowly. You can't throw them right into the fire right away. Um, so it would be a long play for the, for the Reds. But, you know, if, if he's there at five and if they like him, they like his upside, they like the ceiling, they like the potential he could have in a few years' time for them, especially if they're thinking, you know, Green's going to come around and they could have a rotation of Green and Stewart, mm. um, you know, that would be something they could look at. Yeah. Um, you know, having having that duo could be really, uh, really beneficial in the NL Central. 
Anything for a win, Andrew Lawrence, SportingNews.com. Check him out right now. He's got his mock draft latest one up there. I'm sure he'll update that before the draft, uh, certainly. Andrew, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Carter Stewart, 69 innings pitched, 104 strikeouts in high school baseball in Florida this past season. He's right about his mechanics. There's... There's some questions about that, but you would think someone would be able to do that. Someone at the professional level would be able to do that. But um, even even with that, I think the, the headline here is high school player, probably not going to be in Major League Baseball for a while. So the wait continues, but you've got to start at some point building these pieces. And at some point, getting your first-round draft picks to your team, and at some point, hitting on those first-round picks. Coming up on 949, what do I hear in my ears? It is the iHeartRadio Trio. That's Pontoon on bass. Peter the Meter Reader on Synthesite. And Ed Tarbush on drums. It means it's time for the play of the game. Now, if you were listening yesterday to Marty and Jeff, you know what the play of the game is. Aha! But now you've got to be the seventh correct caller. What number did he say, Marva? Fred, I'm going to blow that wax out of your canals if you don't stop it. Seventh correct caller. 749-3700. The play and the winner next on 700-WLW. And now, the play of the game sounded suspiciously like this. Here's a pitch and a swing and a line drive to right field on an 0-2 pitch. That ball's down the line. Two runs are going to score. And San Diego reclaims the lead at 3-1. to one. Boy, Matt Harvey having a rough second inning. He's not gotten the batter out yet. So there you go, Margot with the hit, Harvey with the misstep, and that's our play of the game. And nobody got the correct answer. We gave you time, we took your calls, and nobody knew. So the tickets get folded back into the pile. A lot of people thought the uh, the play of the game was the error committed in the first inning. But it was not. Oh, tickets are folded back. You'll have a chance to, uh, you know, win them tomorrow. Be listening to the game today, tomorrow morning. Whomever is in here will be able to give you a couple of tickets for the uh, future Reds game. I wonder who that could be. Coming up on 957, welcome back Sunday morning. Sports Talk Ken Brew is always proud to be with you. At 10.05 today, I'll be joined by one of the great singer-songwriters in the history of music. He is coming through town next week. Al Stewart going to join me for a little uh, give and take on the biz. Bunbury continues downtown. Uh, hopefully all of this, this, these overcast skies blow out of here and be a nice sunny day as promised. I don't know whether you saw the video of this, but uh, it was um, it was it was. Not gruesome. It was, in a lot of ways, just, you know, be careful what you do when it's not usually your area of expertise. The uh, 
the Green Bay Packers players were involved in a, a softball game the other night. And uh, on the mound pitching was Clay Matthews. Now, Clay Matthews is a, he's a really good athlete. I mean, he's from, from a very storied athletic family. And uh, Matthews is pitching at that charity softball game on Saturday, and someone sends a line drive back, and it hits him in the face. And this dude knew right away that there was a problem. He buried his face in his glove and started running towards the dugout, suffered a broken nose. And he's, uh, he's going to need surgery to repay, repair the broken nose. And uh, it does, it's nothing that looks like it's going to keep him away for anything appreciable this summer, training camp, mini camp, otherwise, whatever they've got going on. He'll be fine by the start of camp. But I often wondered when these, the, particularly football players, when they get involved in charity events, if they know what they're getting themselves into. And I wonder if the teams uh, like Green Bay, like the Packers, if they really, really want to see their players doing these things. There was a charity basketball game, I remember, in this town. And we're going back 30 years, maybe, maybe a little less than 30 years. And it was uh, current Bengals players and coaches, and I forget who they were playing. They were playing... Some other team from Sun. It might have been a school. It might have been another company. And Sam Weish was the coach of the Bengals at the time. And Weish went up for a rebound. And something happened. Now, there are varying reports as to what happened to Sam. Whether one of his players caught him in the legs, whether another player was going up and fighting him for the rebound. But he came down and he broke both of his elbows. This dude was had both of his elbows in a cast. And let's face it, just think of the things you can't do. Just in daily life, in bodily functions, just think of the things you can't do when both of your elbows are broken. And so Clay Matthews now needs a surgery for a broken nose. He probably won't be pitching at any softball games again anytime soon. But just a little off-the-field mishap could have been a lot worse wasn't promises that he'll be less likely to do these kinds of things again. Straight ahead, Al Stewart. Later on, LeBron James. After that, Reds and their current status. All straight ahead on the Sunday morning on 700 WLW. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday morning sports talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday morning sports talk on News Radio 700 WLW. 1006 and glad to have you with us. Yes, yes, yes. Be in town later this week for the best singer-songwriters in the history of music. Young man from Glasgow, Scotland. At the Ludlow Garage next week. He is this man. He is Al Stewart. It was late in December. The sky turned to snow. All around the day was going down slow. Night like a river beginning to flow. I felt the beat of my mind go drifting into time. Passing. Man that has worked with, gosh, it's a, it's an all-star lineup. Yes, Alan Parsons, Jimmy Page. Rick Wakeman from Yes, uh, Corey Amos. There are 
Well, I, I don't think there was a guy that he had work with in music in the 70s and the 80s, and of course, widely uh, remembered for his uh, work on the album Year of the Cat. And it's great that uh, I don't know where he is on tour, but uh, all I know is he's phoned in, and it's uh, it's great to welcome to 700 WLW. The great Al Stewart. Al, thanks for joining us. Oh, well, thank you very much for inviting me. Well, the, the, the spoken word, the lyric, um, you, I, I saw an interview you've done, oh, I don't know, it's several years ago, but your, your code, the thing that you live by, is never say the same thing the same way twice. And <laughs> I'm just wondering where that came from. Where did your appreciation for the spoken word, which lyrics are, where did that, where did that come from? Um, I, I, well, I mean, the early rock and roll, I think. I mean, I did, I've always read a fair amount, and, um, but I, I think my feeling about it is that around about 1955, mm -hmm. uh, lyric writing changed. Uh, it, it very substantially, it used to be, oh God, if you can remember, it was, it was, Though so all the lyrics read like Hallmark uh, postcards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, baby, uh, you took my heart and you tore it all apart and you left me so sad. And uh, if you'd come back, I'd be really pretty glad. <laughs> yeah. Sad, bad, and glad. You could count on those three words in every uh, four-verse song back then. Yeah, and ooh, baby. And the, the, ooh, baby the, yeah. um, but uh, it, it changed really... Um, uh, largely due to two people. One was Chuck Berry. Mm -hmm. um, his first single, Maybelline, began um, as I was a motivator over the hill. I saw Maybelline in a Coupe de Ville. Uh -huh. I mean, that's just totally uh -huh. different. Sure. Uh, we're into the vernacular, and it's um, just it's you know the way people spoke. Mm -hmm. And of course, the other guy who is um, really uh, an agent of change was Jerry Lieber from the oh, uh, sure. the duo Lieber and Stoller, who wrote uh, well Hound Dog. Uh, yeah, Chell House Rock, Yak the Yak, Love Potion Number Nine, all those things. And I think that my appreciation for lyrics um, comes from all of that because it, it, it all happened right before I became interested in, in pop music. And I always liked the, the pop music that was well written. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I, I never really went for, um, you know, the ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. I mean, you, know, you look at something like uh, Love Potion Number 9, it's really, really well written. Mm -hmm. So I think those were the early influences on me. The fishing boats go out across the evening water Smuggling guns and arms across the Spanish border The wind whips up the waves so loud The ghost moon sails among the clouds Times the rifles in the silver on the border 
One of your, I, I, don't, I don't know if you roomed with him, but you certainly lived close to him, was Paul Simon. And Paul Simon was very much that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I, for about three or four months, uh, I lived in the same apartment as Paul. I, I think he was actually next door. He was in the room next door. Hmm. So I was able to listen to him writing songs, and he would come out and play them. And uh, because I was the only person there, he quite often played them to me. So <laughs> 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 it, it was very helpful, like i got to say. In the village where I grew up, nothing seems the same. Still, you never see the change from day to day. You paint such great pictures with songs. It's almost you can close your eyes and see exactly what you're talking about. I think you refer to it as oral cinema. To me, they're like little, little movies. Yeah, you know, I yeah. can see the whole movie when I'm doing the song. Yeah, and you. All, I think you said at one point you'd almost like to. You'd like the listener. You'd like the listener to see the the movie that you're seeing or that you're visualizing when you're when you're actually putting this piece of music together. I mean, it really is kind of a great interaction with the listener, is it not? Yeah, it is. Um, and well, it, it comes about because I'm not really writing songs in the orthodox uh, way. Um, what I'm doing, I, I love history. I love literature. I love cinema. Mm. I love music. <laughs> uh, and uh, what I'm doing is I'm putting them all in a bucket and stirring. You know, I, yeah. I think a lot of popular songs are written to drum machines. I mean, people sit down. And musicians tend to think in terms of chord orders. Uh, I don't do that at all. I mean, I might open an atlas, and if it's um, you know, the, if, if I'm looking at a map of China, I can see six songs immediately. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There they all are, the Great Wall of China. I could I could sit down right now and write a song called The Great Wall of China. But you know, so I'm not I'm not coming at it from the point of view of, you know, should I should this be um you know, like uh, C F G yeah. <laughs> and and should it be hundred and twenty beats per minute? I'm looking at it from the point of view of what do I think is interesting in Chinese history. I'm a So you must you must write lyrics before you write music. I mean, I, um, actually, no. Oh. Um, uh, on uh, quite a lot of the albums I did, including the the most popular ones, I recorded all the music before I wrote any words whatsoever. Um, and this this was uh, viewed by my record company as a suicide move. <laughs> 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 yeah, because I've spent ninety five percent of the money on the album and I haven't written a single word. Even. <laughs> And quite often I'd write three or four different sets of lyrics and then uh, choose the one I like best. I'm pretty sure, Al, that, that you love You're the Cat and Time Passages for the money they've made for you. Do you love those songs as much as you love what they've done for you? Um, you know, they're okay. <laughs> um, you know, they're popular. Um, yeah, it is a, a quirk of radio that radio stations play the same uh, songs over and over again and ignore all the other ones. And, uh, in a perfect world, rather than have Year of the Cat played two million times, I'd rather have all my songs played maybe 20 times. Yes, yeah, I got you. Um, but it, the world doesn't work that way. On a morning from a boat got Don't bother asking for 
explanation She'll just tell you that she came In the air of the cat I can say one thing, I, I am very glad that I didn't write Disco Duck because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I would just be remembered for that. <laughs> I have a better understanding now of where you get, uh, I mean, what, you get the, these wonderful lyrics that have words in them that, that honestly, you, you have to run to a dictionary to look them up. What does that mean? You know, in Year of the Cat, she comes out of the sun in a silk dress running like a watercolor in the rain. So many times... People will hear the, the music hook, or they'll hear the tune, or whatever it is. And that's why I asked about the way you write music. It's it's because the lyrics are so impactful if you sit there and you listen to them. And I, there's just not enough of that out there. And I don't mean today, I mean anywhere out there. I, I tend to think that probably about 95%, even more, of people don't really listen to words at all. I mean, they hear a rhythm and a beat and mm. a hook. And um, it, that's enough to take them someplace, you know, different. And uh, yeah. that it's always going to be that way. It always was that way. I mean, how many? Yeah, I can. <laughs> I've done this. I mean, just to prove my point, you can take almost anybody who isn't actually in the business. I mean, just a, a person off the street, mm -hmm. and say, "What's your favorite song?" And they will tell you, you know, the Boys of Summer." I Maybe mean, it could be anything. Sure. And then you say, "Okay, what are the lyrics?" And they know the chorus and the first line, and they don't know anything else. <laughs> <laughs> So the, live at the Ludlow Garage this coming Saturday night, and from what I understand, you'll be performing the entire Year of the Cat album, all the great songs like On the Border and One Stage Before and things like that, huh? Um, I think so, yeah. It's a yeah. new thing. Um, it seems to be catching on that, that artists go out and play entire albums from beginning to end. Yeah, yeah. And um, I didn't do it, really, um, for a long time because I didn't have a band, and then I met this um, band from Chicago called The Empty Pockets, and... Um, um, they said, hey, let's do this, let's go out and do shows. And we've done about 60 of them, I think, so far. Boy, well, um, it, it just seems to be a popular thing. We can't wait to see you. I can't wait to see you. I think it's just going to be a phenomenal evening, and you don't get through this area of the country all that much. So uh, I hope I hope everybody takes advantage of it. And, uh, Al, I can't tell you what an honor this is. Al Stewart at the Ludlow Garage this coming Saturday night. Thank you, Al. Well, thank you very much. Those who have that, uh, he's from Scotland, but those who have that accent from the British Isles, they just sound smarter by design, don't they? I mean, you just, I don't know, I mean, you know, I think he's, I think what he does is genius, and I, uh, uh, I, I really do, and I think if you listen to him lyrically, 
And he has a number of hits that uh, that have been out there, uh, a lot in Europe, some here in the United States. It took him like four or five albums to get you know get on board here in the United States. But lyrically, this guy is is top shelf. Anyway, glad we got a chance to cu- catch up with him, and uh, it'll all be a hell of a show. Uh, down the road, uh, we're going to be talking about LeBron. We're going to be talking about whether or not this team has what it takes to jump back into this series and how pivotal tonight's game is. Also, as we look ahead to next season in MLS, Jeremy Lance is going to join us. How will this roster be composed, and will they go international, big city, big time, big deal players? Jerry Krasnick also stops by. We're going to talk about not just tomorrow and the draft, but just where this team is and why it always seems to fall in love with players that eventually become too expensive at positions where you shouldn't spend that kind of money. We shall explain next on 700 WLW. 1024, welcome back, 700 WLW. All of these clouds are going to allegedly dissipate. And it's going to be sunny and breezy and a high near 82. And I will trust them at their word at this early hour. Uh, Clear tonight, low around 58. Tomorrow's going to be nice. Pick day of the week, I think. What Cherry Hughes told me last night. 78 for the high and sun. And then on Tuesday, more sun, high near 81. And we are at 75 right now at the Tri-State Severe Weather Station News Radio 700 WLW. In a moment... Former UC star and best-selling author Alex Meacham joins me. We're going to talk a little uh, NBA playoffs and uh, what uh, needs to transpire tonight for the Cavaliers to even the series off at 1-1. You know, it's always easy to play with OPM. You know what OPM is, right? Other people's money. And I got uh, a tweet here a little while ago in response to my thoughts on the Reds and Scooter Jeanette and what they should do with uh, Scooter Jeanette. And uh, one of my uh, Twitter followers, by the way, it's the at sign in my name, Ken Brew. Sign up today. You can get my pithy little comments throughout the day. But anyway, someone suggested a contract uh, for Scooter Jeanette of four years, $48 million. And the Reds' pay- payroll this year, it's just a hair over $101 million total payroll right now. And I tweeted back, so four years, $48 million, you're going to commit more than 10% of your total payroll to Scooter Jeanette. Now again, three or four years down the road, uh, who knows what the economics of baseball will be? Who knows what teams will spend on average? But you only have what you have in front of you right now. And uh, it, it seems to me that that seems to be an inordinate amount of money for a guy who has basically been here less than a year and a half. Has You know, his play is terrific. This, this isn't about Scooter Jeanette. No way, shape, and form is this about Scooter Jeanette. Because if you look at his body of work since he's been here, it's been absolutely terrific. But along the way, the Reds have been positioning themselves to address that position ever since Brandon Phillips was adiosed. Now, who's to say that Scooter Jeanette won't continue to hit the ball the way he hits it? A year from now, he's going to be an all-star second baseman. He's going to be 
someone that is in conversation for MVP candidacy. I mean, and anything can happen. We can't predict the future. But you have been positioning yourself for the moment after Brandon Phillips. You have Nick Senzel, who is playing the position in the minors. That's the guy that you have moved from other positions to play at second base. You've laid out, what was it, seven years, $77 million for Eugenio Suarez. So one would think that's your third baseman for the foreseeable future. Jose Peraza is playing shortstop. Now, Jose Peraza isn't hitting the ball like Scooter Jeanette. No one says he is. No one's trying to say he is. But he is hitting 264. And while I'd like to see him get on base more than the 29% of the time, 30% of the time he gets on base, he is an adequate major. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Major League shortstop on a bad Major League team. You have in your minor league system... Shed Long. He's not tearing it up. He's hitting 276 at double A, 355, 354, something like that on base percentage. And he strikes out more than I'd like to see him strike out. But you have him at double A. You also traded for, let's resurrect a name here who really hasn't been in the conversation. You've resurrected, I will now, Dilson Herrera. Now, Herrera arrived hurt, Ben Hurt. Couldn't make the major league roster, was hurt in the minors. Now he's healthy and playing. 281 average, 326 on base percentage. I and I again don't don't hold me to these names, okay? Because the, the names aren't the important thing here. The names are that you've been positioning yourself for the time you need someone other than Brandon Phillips at second base. The all the the Phillips the Phillips thing, it, it it left them a year early. His game was gone. His attitude was gone. He was gone mentally. So it left them a year early. I don't know with with Scooter Jeanette if you're you're going to be able to get what he wants, which I think would be something in excess of four years and forty eight million, particularly if he continues on hitting the way he's hitting. I think he would be looking for more than that. He will cost you in the neighborhood next year of north of $8 million, would be my guess. Final year of arbitration. Then he'll enter his free agency period. The question you always have to ask yourself, I think, is will this player be playing at the same level he's playing at when we finally get our ducks in order, most notably pitching, to contend again? And in the interim, is he worth the money we're going to pay him when our team is still not very good? And will he be someone that fans will actually dig into their pockets, pay money, and go see? And I'm not sure the answer to every one of those questions is yes. In fact, I think the answer to long-term is, I don't know. 
And I think the answer to, will people go downtown, pay money just to see Scooter Jeanette, is probably no. And that's why it's just not cut and dry. Give the guy four years, $48 million. And that's why I think to get out of this vicious cycle of not dealing players when they need to be dealt, I think this is an opportunity for the Reds to really and truly change the course of the way they've done business. All right, straight ahead, what does LeBron, what does Cleveland need to do to get back in this series tonight? Alex Meacham joins me next on 700 WLW. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday Morning Sports Talk on News Radio 700 WLW. Well, later on tonight, it is Game 2 between the... Cleveland Cavaliers and Golden State Warriors. Warriors up one game to none. I think we all know that by now, and I think we all know what happened at the end of that game that allowed Golden State to win it and take the 1-0 lead. But what has to happen tonight? And can the Cavaliers expect 51 from LeBron? And was there a reason why this game was close to begin with other than LeBron? For all answers in basketball, one of the people we like to turn to is the best-selling author, from the University of Cincinnati, now a a talented AAU coach here in the greater Cincinnati area, Alex Meacham. Alex, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Ken, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well, brother. Now, you watched the game the other night, right? Of course. Every minute of it. Listen Listen to this analysis, and then maybe we can play off this before we get into what happened at the end of regulation. Okay. Cavaliers had 19, 19 offensive boards. And because of that, uh, if you just do the math, the, the Warriors average better than a point per possession. Mm-hmm. So 19 offensive rebounds to the Cavs is about 20 points off the board for Golden State. You can't expect the Cavaliers to come up with 19 offensive rebounds again tonight, can you? That'd be hard to do. I would I would assume that the Warriors make some adjustments. Now, losing Iguodala is a, is a big deal. I think you look at the rebounds, you look at defensively, he's a guy that would help combat that. He he would keep them off the glass a little bit more. He's kind of that glue guy. But to get that many offensive rebounds, that gives you extra possessions. Mm-hmm. And in basketball, Bob Huggins was the greatest at this. He would always say, I don't care who we play, if we play Duke or North Carolina, you can make great teams, average teams, to below average teams if you rebound the ball offensively, give us extra possessions, and we rebound defensively and do not give them extra possessions. Mm-hmm. But that's a big number. I mean, it, it is. And, and, and I'm just looking at game one, big numbers, that number. You can't expect also LeBron to give you 51 tonight. I think, I think everybody kind of just takes for granted LeBron's going to give you a 40-45 and he does. I mean, he, he does, but you can't count on that, can you? I mean, you would you would think someone else needs to step up. I believe Love had around twenty one mm-hmm. points, and I don't. I think someone else might have had thirteen, but he, he's got to get some more bench support. I mean, LeBron had fifty one, eight and eight in forty eight minutes. You cannot do that and win four games versus the Warriors. It's it's just not going to happen. And one thing that happens with LeBron, if you watch. Golden State 
is switching screens. And they're, they're guarding LeBron the majority of the time in single coverage. They're not doubling him. They're not blitzing the screens. So LeBron's getting the matchups he wants. He's just setting it up to where he can come off a ball screen and he knows, okay, Curry's going to guard me. And if, if Curry's guarding LeBron, I'm going to say LeBron's going to score, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know? and, LeBron, and, and the Cavs want that because, first of all, Curry was eaten alive by Chris Paul and James Harden in, in the first couple of games in that series. And so yeah. you want him on, on LeBron. You want to get Curry in foul trouble. Right, exactly. But, but, but what the Warriors need to start doing is they need to start doubling LeBron and making him pass and making the Cavs shoot three-pointers. Now, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm going to tell you, Ken, this has to be one of the worst three-point shooting Cavs teams that LeBron's ever been a part of. Oh, sure, sure. Right? So, so you have to make them shoot three-pointers. You've got to get the ball out of LeBron's hands. You've got to blitz those screens. You've got to double them uh, this game. Um, a couple of ga- questions with game one first. Jordan Clarkson, why is that guy on the court, let alone the team? He looked like a, he looked like a junior high school player out there. He looked like he had absolutely no clue what was going on. How can Ty Lue put that guy on the court? Well, they're, they're looking for something. They, they've got to find some sort of productivity from someone else off the bench. Now, uh, Clarkson, there's been games in the past this regular season that he's performed well. He scored some points, and I'm sure they're just trying to find something from someone else. And, you know, when you get into a series that's, that's like this, as a coach, you're always looking for a spark that the other team may not expect. Mm-hmm. And he's probably not that guy that's going to be that spark, but I get what Lou's doing. He's trying to throw out different things and, and give, give, give different guys opportunities to, to spark and, and score some points. Because like you said earlier, Ken, LeBron cannot keep up 51, mm. 8, and 8 for 48 minutes and win this series. It's just not going to happen at age 33. Alex Meacham, our guest, we're talking about game two of uh, the NBA Finals tonight, Warriors against the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. I believe that's on ESPN 1360 and also on 9 on your side. Um, we all know what happened at the end of regulation, and finally J.R. Smith fessed up yesterday. The truth shall set you free. But it's kind of like J.R. the Cavaliers are LeBron James, Kevin Love, and 10 guys named Fred, right? And so when you're one of the 10 guys named Fred, you got one thing you got to take care of, and that is game situation. How did this guy not know? How did he not know? Well, you've got to understand J.R. Smith's history. This isn't the first time that he's done things that you just shake your head at. There was a game, I believe, earlier this season. um, I can't remember who they were playing, maybe the Mavericks or someone, and the ball was getting inbound, and – J.R. Smith is shaking hands with the other team's players <laughs> on their bench and hit the guy he's supposed to be guarding scores. I mean, this is not the first time. Now, listen, I think sometimes we as fans look at professional sports players as they should never make mistakes. You know, they should always be mentally into it, physically into it. And listen, they make mistakes. They they screw up. Chris yeah. Weber, you know. Oh, you know. Obviously, he was in in, in uh, college at the time. But right. you know. But J.R. Smith is if any if that would happen to any player in the NBA, you've got to have J.R. Smith at the top of the list. He just doesn't focus in at times. And I think that's going to go down as one of the biggest blunders 
in basketball, and it's going to be talked about for a long time. I think LeBron and George Hill recently said, maybe yesterday, that this was probably the toughest loss yeah. of their career. And and the fact remains, Alex, that if they're going to if they're going to get back in this series, and I I think they can, I think they can, I think they can. I, I I'm I'm not. Golden State can beat you so many different ways, but we mm-hmm. know that even in uh, years where they've met Golden State in the finals and they've lost, they they have won games. Mm-hmm. They're going to need J.R. Smith of all the guys named Fred. Uh, I would say. <laughs> I would say I would say J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver are the two guys that they have to look to to give some sort of relief to LeBron and Love. I just I they need J.R. Smith and that focus thing is a problem because I don't know I don't know how you you're going to be dogged by it as you said certainly for the rest of the finals maybe for the rest of your life I. I don't know if they can get him back on page. He wasn't that great in game one to begin with. He was 3 of 10. But they need him, and they need other guys to step up. And I, I just wonder whether or not in in reality it's going to happen. Well, if, if, if anyone on that team or just in basketball in general could probably bounce back from a blunder like that, it would be J.R. Smith because I don't think he – I hate to say it's probably going to come off the wrong. I don't think he cares. I mean, he's like, okay, I made a mistake. Who cares? I don't think he analyzes it the way maybe other players would. Yeah. So if anybody could bounce back, he could. Um, but, you know, the thing that I've been watching, the Cavs are going to have to be more physical this game and game three. Like, I don't think they win this game tonight. I think they have a very good chance of winning game three going back home. The crowd's going to be into it. They've got to be more physical. They've got to be physical at the guard position. If you look at it, the Warriors aren't playing a lot of guys a lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. I believe four guys played 40-plus minutes in that game. Yeah. So you, you've got to – and listen, um, Clay Thompson's going to probably play, but he's injured. I mean, you've got to be physical right. with this team from, from the tip. And, and, and like you said before, you've got to be physical trying to rebound the basketball yeah. as well. Give yourself extra possessions. Yeah, you got, and you've got to – I mean, neither one of these teams shot the three well in game one. Right. But particularly Cleveland – 10 of 37 from threes. They were 27%. And the other stat that just smacked me upside the head with a skillet, LeBron had eight assists. He had eight assists in game uh-huh. one, but he had 23 potential assists. It's because nobody was shooting. The, nobody was, he would get guys the ball. They wouldn't hit. So you gotta, you got to make shots because I think, you know, this – the Warriors, I mean, even with Thompson banged up and they don't have Iguodala yet, I mean, this could be one of those blowout deals tonight. It could be. And, and you're right about that three-point shooting. I mean, the, they are not shooting the ball well at all. And that's back to my point that they, you know, the Warriors have to double LeBron more to get him to pass and, and force them to shoot more three-pointers that if, if history repeats itself, they're just missing those shots. But um, Kyle Korver is going to be a key, too. He can really shoot the basketball very well. He's got to really step up and maybe be that next guy. I, I would think Love would play pretty well, be a 13-plus point game guy. But if you get Love in the 20s and, and Kyle Korver steps up and he plays well, you know, you, you definitely have a chance. Yeah, that's a lot of ifs there. Uh, <laughs> how's, the amateur, how's the amateur coaching business going? It's going well. You know, um, we're right now, we just finished up spring ball, and um, all the kids are going back to their, their high school teams and doing high school stuff for the month of June. And then we start back up in July, and we have what's, what's called the live period mm-hmm. during the July months. So a lot of our high school kids 
you know, one of the reasons people play AAU basketball is to improve their skills, get them better for high school, but also get some exposure from a uh, college standpoint. So we go to events that are called live period events in which college coaches can come and watch our players and other players and hopefully recruit those guys. So we'll go to events where we'll see, you know, Coach Huggins, Coach Mack at Louisville and, and Mick Cronin and um, Archie Miller and Sean. We'll see all those coaches out watching potential kids. So it's going to be an exciting period in July, and it's a great opportunity for our kids because in, in our program, Ken, we've talked about this before on your show, I have about 20 teams, and our goal is to make sure all these kids have an opportunity to go to college. Yeah. And any any way we can get them to college, if it's through basketball or whatever, let's get them there. And this is a great opportunity for them to get some schooling paid for. It uh, It's Alex Meacham. Walk of a Lifetime was his book many, many years ago. Now the uh, <laughs> director of Shining Star AAU. You can follow him on Twitter. It's right. at... It's at Alex underscore Meacham, M-E-A-C-H-E-M. Go there, and you'll see Pitbull standing in front of the Hollywood <laughs> sign on his Twitter. Oh, wait a minute. No, it's, Come on, it's, it's Alex. Come on. No, no, see, Ken, now, listen, now you're going to get all my friends out of because they listen to this, and they're, they're – so you, you, yeah. why'd you do that to me, Yeah, Ken? yeah. New, new, new nickname, Caliocho. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. I appreciate it. Uh, Take care, Ken. Yeah. I, I I think I think the Cavaliers can get blown out tonight, honestly. Uh, we'll see what the hangover effect is. 1050-700-WLW. 1057-700-WLW. Jerry Krasnick standing by. Talk a little Reds baseball with me. Jerry, of course, from ESPN.com and from the Cincinnati Inquirer about 20 years ago. Now he's big time, big city, big deal. There may be some drama going on at this hour Near Columbus, they have moved up the start of the Memorial Golf Tournament because of rain. And so the leaders have now all teed off. Uh, Joaquin Neiman, who is 19-year-old and just looks like he's going to be an incredible golfer for a long time, has uh, jumped up. He is now tied for the lead with, uh, with Kyle Stanley and Patrick Cantlay. Remember, he was Cantlay was the guy that had the hole in one yesterday, and Bryson DeChambeau, all are at fourteen under par, all very early in their rounds through four and five holes. Tom Hogue has made the biggest move. He is at four under par for the day, twelve under for the tournament, so he's two shots back. But the story everybody is watching right now is Tiger Woods. Tiger is two under for the day. He has played six. And he is at minus 11, three off the lead. So, uh, you know, again, I, I think the chances of Tiger Woods ever winning another major championship are pretty remote. He will want, win tournaments. Everybody say, well, is he ever going to win a tournament? Yes, because he's entering tournaments he would not normally have entered. Because he's trying to get his game back somewhere close to where it was before it, everything in his life fell apart in 2000 and when was it 10 2009 but my point being is uh tiger woods is making a move he's played obviously this tournament before he you know he's well he understands what's going on at muirfield and uh so playing at muirfield isn't the big deal but he has played in other tournaments he would not normally have played in back in the day when he was the top dog 
three off the lead. Now the interesting intrigue will be whether or not he can pull off another charge like he did back in the day. It's a crowded field. He would have to leapfrog, it looks like, maybe 10 golfers at this point. But you're only three off the lead through six, two-thirds of your round to go, and the leaders are not all that far in front of you. So we'll see. Woods with uh, a round of 68 yesterday, 67 on Thursday, and 72. Uh, 67, 68 on Friday, and 72 on Thursday. So we'll keep an eye on that. All right, straight ahead. Falling in love with players have cost the Reds dearly. Should they continue the love affair with players who may not be around when they finally get good again? Jerry Krasnick, ESPN.com. He's next on 700 WLW. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday Morning Sports Talk on News Radio 700 WLW. Welcome back to the foray. Glad you're with us. It is 11.07 here in the greatest city in the world. We wait for the baseball club to catch up with us. They play later on tonight. I think it's a late start, too. I think it's 6-10, which is unusual for a Sunday West Coast game, but so be it. 6-10 start. You can catch all the action here on 700 WLW. The Reds, of course, were blown out again last night, 8-2 by the Padres. They were, as we like to say in the business, madrid by the Padres. And, uh, again, it's, you know, we, we, we all know that it's just, it's not happening. We all know why it's not happening. And oftentimes, I think it's good to hear outside voices as to why it's not happening and opinions of such. And some may not be as critical as those that are inside the Beltway, and some may be. Never know until you dial up like this next guy, my good buddy from years gone by. He covered the Reds for the Post, was here during the Pete Rose saga, covered Marge Schott and all of her glories. And uh, now is at ESPN.com. Big time, big city, big deal. Wrote a book many, many years ago, which uh, I, was a great read. It was called License to Deal, A Season on the Run with a Maverick Baseball Agent. And he also shares a birthday with, among other people, me. It's great to have Jerry Krasnick back on the radio with us on 700 WLW. Thanks, buddy. What's going on? Hey, Ben. Hey, Ken. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Um, it. <sighs> From afar, I know you've got to look at 30 teams globally. Do you have any idea what's going on with this franchise? I don't want to call it rudderless because I'm sure there's a hand on the wheel, but I I just can't figure out what they're doing here. Can you? Yeah, I mean, look, I think a lot of these franchises these days are in these situations where if you're not going anywhere, you know, how much do you – tear down and move on. Um, you know, the White Sox did it. I think they're in at least a better place, even though they're struggling this year. Uh, you know, Baltimore is a team that's kind of been the other way. They keep hanging on to all their veterans and hope they'll be competitive. I think, you know, the Reds have tried to sort of go into that young building mode with some of their trades, but I think when you have a guy like Joey Votto, who's, what, $225 million or whatever, and you haven't traded him, then and you have Homer Bailey still on the books, and 
you know, are you going to trade Billy Hamilton? It's, they haven't really gone all in with it, and the moves they have made don't seem to have resulted in a huge influx of talent in the system. So, it, to be honest with you, it's kind of a nondescript team. I mean, it, you know, other than Joey and obviously Scooter Jeanette's been yeah. tremendous this year and fun to watch, and it's always fun to watch Billy Hamilton when he gets on the bases. It's not a team that, you know, not only are they do they not have a kind of talent, I just don't know that they're very compelling or entertaining viewing, and that's kind of a bad combination, obviously. They made a strange move this week. They had four outfielders for three outfield positions, and they elected to bench Jesse Winker, who admittedly is not a great defensive outfielder, but he is a younger player, and he is one of, up until they called him up this year, was was one of their prized guys in their organization. Uh, Duvall isn't hitting above 200. In fact, he's he, he's below it. Shebler's got nice power. Billy Hamilton still hasn't proven he can hit major league pitching. It's things like that. It's things like Bailey still in the rotation as of last week. It's things like letting Zach Cozart walk without any immediate compensation. It just they're, they're head scratchers, Jerry. I just it almost seems like they don't know whether they really want to buy into going full rebuild. Or they're holding out hope that lightning's going to strike somewhere, and all of a sudden these players that hit 235, 240, 250, and these pitchers that can't get out of the fifth inning are suddenly going to get zapped and be better players. It's That's the frustrating thing, I think, to the fan base here. Yeah, look, I, I mean, like Eugenio Suarez, he's a really nice player. I mm-hmm. mean, I like him, but they gave him a long-term contract. You know, this is a guy who, you know, for a team that we don't know what they're going to be, and... I think the other issue, Ken, is they're in a good division. You know, yeah. they, that that division is not one that really. It, it's not like they're in the American League Central, where a team like Detroit, uh, which has made some moves to kind of go in that direction. You know, trading away Verlander and and some of their guys. Not everybody, but they have tried to to get rid of some of the veteran guys and get something for them. Um, you're right. I just think it's a bit halting in terms of what they're trying to do. And I'm not sure how much of that comes from up top. You know, I think Bob Castellini's uh, uh, a passionate owner who really is a good guy and wants to win, but sometimes you have to make hard choices, you know, and get rid of guys that might be short-term fits and really try to beef up the farm system and take some real pain. And I just think the Reds are sort of in that netherworld where you just, roll along each year and you just don't get any better. And I, I think that's what probably frustrates fans is that they think the team is almost lurching week to week and, and really doesn't have a long-term vision for the what it wants to be. They're going on five years since they last made the playoffs, and that was just that one play-in wild-card game. I My fear, Jerry, not that I'm concerned about people who are multimillionaires, but my fear, my fear is in about ten years Joey Votto is going to look back and say to himself, you know, I spent some of my best years on some really bad baseball teams. He wouldn't be alone in that. A lot of players have in the course of their career. But I think it's it's such a – I think it's going to wind up to be a sad story because had they surrounded Votto, particularly with decent pitching, like they did for a, for a season, when was it, 2012, they had done that consistently. Um, I think this guy, as great as he is, could have been off the charts great, and I think from a team standpoint – I think he would look back and say, hey, man, that was a great experience. I don't think he's going to have the opportunity to say that. 
No, I mean, he's going to go down, I think, as one of those guys. I, I think he's a Hall of Famer, you know, mm-hmm. uh, certainly one of the top five hitters of his era. And, uh, you know, I think that Bailey contract is one, obviously, that you really can play. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Obviously, he's been injured, but you put that kind of money into one guy and you want him to at least be a number three rotation workhorse kind of guy, and they've really gotten pretty much nothing out of him. And, you know, Mezzarocco was a nice player who had hip injuries and different things. It just, they've had enough things go wrong. I think, you know, they, they probably haven't drafted quite well enough to really pump uh, a huge infusion of talent into the system. And you mentioned a kid like Winker. You know, I'm looking at Winker's numbers, Ken. It's like, He's got a 354 on base percentage, which is his. He's got 24 walks and 25 strikeouts. So he has a particular skill. You know, he can get on base. He uh, he can work a count, that sort of thing. He's got a 325 slugging percentage. <laughs> he's got one homer and 150. One homer and 151 at bats, and no stolen bases. So yeah. you're talking about a guy who's a an on base guy but doesn't hit with power or run particularly well. So what is his, you know, what is his role on that team? And you don't really know. You know, I just think they're hoping that some of these guys uh, come in and, and have an impact. And, you know, they have some nice pieces. And, look, from what I understand, people tell me Jim Rickleman's actually done a pretty nice job. You know, he's yeah. got them out there taking infield and working on fundamentals and, doing some things he's really squeezing about everything he can out of that team i just think in that division they're just outmanned by you know the cubs the brewers the cardinals even the pirates you know i think as i said if they were in the american league uh, central you could say hey just by virtue of playing lousy teams they might be able to be competitive but they're in the wrong division to be uh nondescript Jerry Krasnick, ESPN, ESPN.com, our guest. Jerry, one final question. Is there a team out there that they could, if they were designing a blueprint from scratch on this day as opposed to when they should have been doing it four or five years ago, is there any team that would be a blueprint that they could follow? Houston cratered, and then they dug out of it. Uh, the Royals seem to have a unique knack to regenerate themselves every three or four years. Any team out there that's doing it the way they could do it, given their status as a Smaller market, smaller revenue team. Well, to me, one of the interesting teams out there is Tampa Bay. You know, look at them. I mean, they're above 500. They're playing against the Red Sox and the Yankees a lot. And uh, Tampa's doing a lot of innovative things. I mean, you know, they're starting Sergio Romo in games, and they're moving guys. And I think Tampa has probably less of a an invested, passionate fan base. So... They've been able to make some really hard decisions. And look at the lineup they're running out there. It's like, no offense to these guys, but it's like Matt Duffy and (laughs) C.J. Crone and Brad Miller. It's sort of a, you know, you look at them and you say, well, the Reds at least have 
Votto and Suarez and, you know, Hamilton, some sort of named players. Uh, but Tampa, for some reason or other, seems to be competitive in a really, really good division. So to me, I mean, that there is a model of a team that uh, doesn't have much in the way of resources, but is finding a way to compete through some really smart, innovative moves. And I think sometimes you just have to take the short-term PR hit. Maybe if there's a guy, you know, like a Billy Hamilton who's popular, uh, you know, but hasn't shown the ability to hit, you know, maybe a year or two ago, you could have traded him to the Giants and gotten a couple of good young players for him and, now maybe the ship has sailed on some of those moves they could have made. Yeah, I, I, I think it has. Left the dock out to sea. Jerry Krasnick, <laughs> ESPN.com. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. We'll catch up down the road. Thanks, Ken. That guy, that guy's a great writer. He really is. Plugged into baseball. His chats on ESPN are wildly entertaining. And uh, we don't get a chance to talk to him often, but I'm, I'm glad we got a chance to, uh, to talk to him today. Jerry Krasnick. Fact is that there are blueprints out there. The Astros took it down to base. They completely raised the thing and then built it back up. They drafted wisely. They cultivated players that um, were coveted by other teams in trades, and they refused to get into that game of trading prospects for aging veterans. They they followed. They were disciplined. Their fan base wasn't always patient. You could see every time the Reds played down there at Minute Maid Park where the rebuild was going on, there weren't a whole lot of people in the stands. And he's right about the Reds being in a really tough division. I mean, the Cubs obviously are all in every year now. The Cardinals, when they're out, when they're off, it's not for very long. Milwaukee is all in this year. We'll see if that's a long-term strategy. Pittsburgh continues to show every so often like it really wants to contend, and some years it does, but the fact of the matter is that it's Chicago and it's it's St. Louis, and it's awfully tough chipping through the top of that. It's kind of the same situation that Tampa Bay and Toronto, and to a much lesser extent, Baltimore, are in in the American League East because you know every year the Yankees and the Red Sox are, are going to be there. But you right now have four teams within six and a half games of the lead. One team with the lead and three other teams within six and a half games of the lead. And the Reds are 16 games out of first place and they've won only 21 times. But at a certain point, you have to say, this is the path we have chosen and this is the path we're walking down. And we're not going to cling on to players. We're not going to hold steady for just a couple of more weeks or just through the end of this year or just so fans will come out to the park or just so we're competitive. Baseball long ago, and the Reds included, has become a living room game. Every game is televised. It's like the NFL, every game is televised. So while ticket sales are important because you want to see fannies and seats and you want to sell beer and you want to sell hot dogs and souvenirs and all that, by and large, it's the TV money that's driving this thing. And the passion to win, I've never doubted with that group. I never have day one doubted the passion of wanting to win. But I think, again, with tomorrow being another one of those those infinitely important days, with the trade deadline six weeks away and another one of those infinitely important times, 
there's only so many years you can play the game of holding on to these veteran players because we're really going to win with them, and they're fan favorites, and, and boy, there's, he's a great guy. There's only so many times you can play that game before it throws you into the abyss that the Reds are in. Played it with Leak. Played it with Cueto. Didn't get full value for Araldis Chapman. Minimum market value on Todd Frazier. Starting shortstop. Went to the All-Star game. Got a goat. Walked at the end of last year. No compensation. For what? To what end? And I think that's, in essence, what I've been preaching. I think it's what Krasnick is talking about. At a certain point, you've got to say, it's not working right now. Let's go all in. Just as you go all in on a, on a, on a season when you add players, you've got to go all in on, look, this thing has, has crashed and burned. And the way they've played the trade deadline, they're still trying to keep that airplane in the air. Seven four nine seven thousand one eight hundred. The big one pound seven hundred on AT and T. Down the road in this hour, how will our new MLS team stock its roster with international superstars, or will they go with grassroots players and try to cultivate talent? We got a lot to get to before noon. You're part of it on seven hundred WLW. Seven hundred WLW. Welcome back to the festivities. If he were alive today, the great Curtis Mayfield would be partying it up. He'd have turned 76 years old today. Now, Freddie, that's different. Formed a group in 1956 that eventually became the Impressions with his good buddy Jerry Butler. Formed his own record label, got a lot of great groups to record there. Went solo. That's when he recorded this soundtrack from the movie Superfly. By the way, one of the all-time great bass lines is happening here. Guy playing bass on this cut is Joseph Scott. Lucky is what they call him. Mayfield brought Scott with him when he left the Impressions. Lucky Scott couldn't read a note of music, but he could play the four string like nobody's business. Curtis Mayfield, two-time Grammy winner, double inductee, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. First is a member of the Impressions, later as a solo artist. You want to talk about bad luck in life? He's on stage nine years before his death, playing a concert outside in New York City, supporting a political candidate. Storm was rolling in, one of those late summer storms that just come out of nowhere. And the wind was gusting, swirling. Equipment was being blown around the stage, and a light rig snapped loose. Fell on Curtis Mayfield, right on his neck. Crushed two vertebrae. Paralyzing arms, legs. Never regained movement. Here's some lucky Scott for you. Curtis Mayfield, born 76 years ago today in Chicago, Illinois. Died far too young at the age of 57. That's what I'm screaming. Straight ahead, how will FC Cincinnati stock its roster next season? It's first in the MLS 
Jeremy Lance, wrong side of the pond. The podcast joins me. Right now, we're going to have a little Freddy. Then we're going to have a little news. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday Morning Sports Talk on News Radio 700 WLW. It was a monumental week last week, surreal in a lot of ways, particularly if you're someone who has any kind of interest in in soccer, professional or otherwise, in this country. The mere thought that a a franchise in MLS would be placed in Cincinnati as as late as three years ago uh, would have been met with not just raised eyebrows, but with guffaws. Think about it. Three years ago right now, nobody knew about FC Cincinnati, USL, John Harks, um, GB, uh, Sean O'Coley, nobody knew about any of this. And yet here we are less than three years down the road, and we are now the proud recipients of a franchise in the greatest soccer league in North America. And it is a league resplendent with really, really fine players, international stars in some cases. And the business of putting a team together in the short span of, what is it, uh, nine months? Is it's going to be a lot of work because, in fact, the players that are doing so well in the USL now, FC Cincinnati is back in first place in its conference, the majority of these players probably won't be on this team next year. It is a completely different level of soccer, played at, as I said, the highest level in North America. How does the team go about trying to piece together a roster in a short... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm out of time. And how do they go about? determining whether or not those players will be international stars, younger stars, stars that grow at the grassroots level, and yet try to put a competitive team on the field. He hosts the wildly popular podcast that if you're a soccer fan, I know you know about this. But if you're not and you want to get more accustomed to the beautiful game, you need to download and listen to the Wrong Side of the Pond podcast. He's been on our show many, many times. He's our good buddy, Jeremy Lance. Jeremy, good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. I am right about it being wildly popular, am I not? Uh, we like to say so. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I would, I'd run with it if I were you. Uh, so, so the surreal effect of Tuesday, uh, I, I, I know that you know, you're, you're beside yourself. This is just unbelievable what's going on here. But there's heavy lifting to be done with this team. As you look at the, the business of going about piecing a roster together, which road do you think FC Cincinnati takes? The road that, for example, Atlanta United took and going out and hiring an internationally re- renowned coach, internationally renowned players, or the road that this team that's coming to town on, on Wednesday night from MLS, Minnesota United, 
and how they took it, which was with less fanfare. Where do you where do you see FCC going with this? Well, well, I hope you know. I mean, I think a lot of the fans would hope it's not what Minnesota United did, which was, um, you know, they they're building a stadium and they're they were upfront with the fact that hey, these first couple of years we're not going to really spend much money on our roster, and they literally first just signed their 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 first ever. Uh, DP slot is what it's called. It's a, a, desi- a designated player that you can spend a lot of money on mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't count against the cap. They just did their first one uh, just about a month ago. They are not spending a ton. Um, you talk about Atlanta, what they did, going out and get uh, Tata Martinez, who's coached all around the world, and sure. they go and get all these great young South American players, and that has turned into some uh, instant success on the field. Uh, I think it's going to be somewhere in between, probably. I, I, I don't think they're going to uh, try to skate by and not, not spend much. You know, uh, Minnesota used about, I want to say, a half dozen or so guys from their, their NASL squad, made the move with them, uh, and that includes two guys that, uh, that they kind of brought back that were, that were uh, originally part of it and then moved on and moved upwards into other leagues and they brought back. But uh, I see what FC Cincinnati doing – you know, obviously they're not going to have crazy money to spend, but I think you can do it. You can be smart mm-hmm. about what you're doing. And right. I, I think Alan and, and Luke uh, uh, Sasano are definitely up for the task of going out and getting these guys. I, I heard Luke speak uh, on a different uh, MLS podcast this week, and he was talking about the uh, Los Angeles FC model, which is go and get um, a lot of European players and go and get them, you know, kind of right now this summer and then loan them back to whatever club they're playing for in Europe yeah. until uh, they're able to come join the club back in, you know, over in, you know, January yeah. and February when, yeah. when preseason starts. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 think, I think they probably, and they being uh, Alan Koch and, and uh, Luke and, 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 and Jeff Birding, I think, they, I think they, they've identified players that they were going to go after if they were successful in landing the franchise. I don't think business stops – with this team in October, and then they scramble in the next two months and try and pick up some players. And honestly, Jeremy, they'll get some from whatever expansion draft that MLS uh, provides. I think the last two teams that came in got five players off the MLS expansion draft, did they not? Yeah, so they'll do the expansion draft, and they'll have the the luxury of uh, being the only team in that draft. Uh, in years past, uh, you know, Atlanta and Minnesota weren't at the same time, so they had to... Uh, do the draft together and take turns, and you know, obviously, there's more strategy involved. Basically, FC Cincinnati is going to get these lists of uh, you know unprotected players from from all the other clubs in MLS, and they're going to basically be able to sit there and just decide which which five they want to take. Now, are they going to look to grab guys that can be instantly put into their starting eleven, or and going back to what Los Angeles uh, did this this past year? They went and took those five guys, and for the most part, outside of I think one or two, uh, traded those guys for uh, for more established players, players that could be more of a direct impact mm-hmm. um, as far as their starting eleven goes. I could see them uh, definitely doing that. Again, they they just have to be smart about it. Uh, we're chatting with Jeremy Lance, Wrong Side of the Pond podcast, as we look ahead to 2019 and MLS and uh, how FC Cincinnati builds its. It's roster safe to say, I think, that the players that are playing right now for FC Cincinnati 
the the majority will not be back next year. Would that be a safe assumption? Yeah, you know, I, mean, I remember being at the match uh, two weeks ago, and my buddies and I were kind of already going like, "All right, so who would we keep on this <laughs> on this roster?" Well, okay. who would who would you keep? You know, I think like a guy like Ledesma yeah. obviously has shown he he can do it. Um, he's played you know all around the world. Um, I, I think he has what it takes. Uh, you know, Nas, I yeah. think he is going to be a guy. You know, from what I was told. FC Cincinnati kind of had to beat out uh, some MLS suitors this past offseason just to get him uh, for this squad because he knew he could get a little more playing time. Uh, I, I think he has what it takes. Outside of that, then it uh, it's, it's kind of becomes a bit of a mystery and then really just kind of turns into what does Allen and Luke think they need. Well, what about Deckel? Uh, yeah, I think he could. I mean, obviously he's getting up there in, in age. Um, he definitely has the pedigree for it. Um, yeah, I, I could see if you you look at that back line, that would probably be the guy. Yeah, I just yeah, I just think there's probably going to be a handful, three or four players like that, and yeah, and uh, I would I would love to see them bring someone in that is um, been visible on various telecasts, whether it's F, uh, Fox Sports One or NBC Sports Network. Somebody from the EPL, maybe somebody from the Bundesliga. I, I just, mm-hmm. I would love, I would love to see that. Just so um, there's a there, there is some sort of center of the team, some sort of centerpiece on the team. But that that would cost a lot of money. And even if you get into this lend lease thing that you're talking about, it's still going to be um, it's still going to be a lot of money for for them to bring in a, a superstar player. What what kind of dollars would you be talking? I mean, Rooney's not coming here, so let's even if right. even if Rooney plays in the he is playing this, he's not going to come to Cincinnati. Uh, but even if it was somebody that was a a major major, what would that cost them? How many millions of dollars? Oh yeah, those transfer fee. I mean, so the Rooney fee is supposed to be around like. 16 million uh, U.S. is what I think it's supposed to be. Uh, they're not obviously going to do something like that, but I think that I could see them going out and getting a, a name that, yeah, if you watch soccer on a regular basis, you've probably heard of, and that would probably be in like the seven to eight million dollar range, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, and and uh, and when when they go about go about that business, there's only so many of those they can have, which means. That maybe what we'll see, and I don't know. Do you think there will be a USL uh, affiliate for them? Like there's like these, you know, Toronto FC two and Orlando FC two. Do you think we'll have it one of those teams in the USL as well? Well, so that's uh, that's something they're going to have to decide because basically, you know, they have the they hold the regional rights to USL. So when they move up next year, they can either sell that, and I I know that there's talks that there is a team or an organization in place to possibly get a USL team uh, if the crew do move out of Columbus. So so it could maybe they, they sell it to a group up there. Or they could, uh, they could yeah, they could use that and kind of make a, a FC Cincinnati too. Now, yeah. that, that costs a lot of money to run that. That's a whole other organization you're running. I could see them kind of doing more what the crew uh, and other clubs do now, which is just uh, loaning – uh, kind of, they're they're the bottom of the bench players out uh, to USL side. Yeah, well, it's fascinating. It's, it's exciting. The wear of Tuesday, the the excitement of Tuesday won't wear off anytime soon. But there is a lot of heavy lifting for this franchise and this organization in the next nine months. Jeremy, as always, thank you. We appreciate it. All right, thank you, sir. Yeah, Jeremy Lance, wrong side of the pond podcast. I'd love to see one of these dudes that shows up on EPL games or La Liga or someplace, just just kind of plop himself down in here and become the star. They need a star. 
this is a team town. It's always been a team town, but you have to have a focal point on a team. You know, the Bengals, football's a team, but they have stars. The Reds have Joey Votto. You're going to have to have somebody. And the interesting thing will be who that somebody may be. In the expansion draft, query this. What if Mitch Hildebrandt is made available by Atlanta United in the expansion draft? Coming up on 1150, News Radio 700 WLW. 11.55, 11.55, 700 WLW, in at the top of the hour to solve all of the world's problems in three hours and undoubtedly create a half dozen more. It's our guy, Sterling. And then as we weave our way through the afternoon, it'll be Chick Ludwig and James Rapine and then Reds baseball and then be still my beating heart. Might even get Willie on here before it's all over today. Talking FC Cincinnati, and we've got Jim in Mason who wants to weigh in. Yes, Jim. This is John and Mason. John and Mason. I'm um, sorry. It says Jim up here. Hey, no problem. A hey, hey, couple of things. I'm I'm a 50-year-old Brit. You, you've got to stop thinking draft. It's a global sport. You have to compete with the best players in the world, and they're not, they don't think the way we think in the U.S. about drafts. So that, that has to change. You have to compete for the best players. You don't need a Joey Votto. One player that's not a teammate in soccer. It does in, it, it does in baseball. But we have to start thinking differently if we want this sport to grow the way it really should. So you mean and, don't look for a superstar. Look for, look for a lot of, of – don't look for one megastar. Look for a lot of players that can make up a team. You've got to do that, and and you've got to start an academy. And the 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 way look look at the way Seattle's doing it. I mean, they're doing it right. Galaxy's not doing it right. They got they had Bex over for a couple of years. They had Gerard for a couple of years, and it didn't work. Start an academy. You've got you've got grass. I've just spent the last three days. Sorry, the last two days in Dayton with my 11-year-old playing soccer with some of the most incredible kids you've ever imagined. Feed that into Cincy. Okay, Jim. make that your academy. Yeah, yeah. and and make it. And, and we've we've got the beginnings. It's it's you know Seattle, Denver, and Cincinnati and Kansas City. We could we could do incredible things. Yeah, yeah, you know, Jim, that's that's great stuff. Thanks for the call. I mean, we we don't know. I mean, we here don't know how you piece together that kind of a a sport and win with it. So that's good information. By the way, the Cullen Electric Electrifying Player of the Week is A. Eugenio Suarez. Four oh nine average last week. Five one nine on base percentage. A. Eugenio with nine hits in 22 at-bats. He also walked five times. So congratulations to A. Eugenio, the Cullen Electric, wiring for today's world, player of the week. All right, that'll do it for me. Sterling is next. See you downtown tonight with the latest in sports at 6 and 11 and on Cincinnati's 9 on your side at 1135. Sports of all sorts among our guests former Cincinnati High School soccer star, former number one first-round pick in the MLS, Austin Berry. Sterling and next. I'll see you right back here next Sunday morning at 9 a.m.
on 700 WLW. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.